Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am once again joined by Goff, the blind filmmaker from Australia of Beer Nuts Productions. Now if you're a regular listener of the show, you will know that Goff has appeared on Genuine Chit Chat twice in the past, once on episode 48 and then again in episode 65. Also, he was on last week's episode. Now, I won't delve too deeply into what the subject matter is. I'll just give a couple of bullet points. Um, Essentially, last week we spoke about his new film, How to Treat Women Fairly, which is a comedy mockumentary found on BeerNutsProductions.com. And this week we're speaking about a documentary he released called I Will Not Go Quietly, which came out around 10 years ago. Now, the documentary, in a sense, put Goff more on the map. He had done comedy before, and he'd sort of travelled the world as a stand-up comedian and had a lot of other, his finger in a lot of other pies and things, trying to get sort of scripts made and, and whatnot. The documentary basically goes into the details of how difficult it is for a blind individual to not only get a job in general, but to also make it in comedy and any media industry, really. So in this chat in particular, we basically speak about the aftermath of the documentary, how he kind of made it, some of the issues with it and things like that. And he did create the whole documentary himself. He recorded it, he edited it, he wrote it, he did everything. And he is obviously blind. So it's a feat in itself to create a documentary. But when someone has a disability, which is visual impairment, that just adds another layer to it. As well as those things, we do also speak about travelling, because Goff believes that travelling is very important, and even when he was younger, when he was blind, he actually travelled around uh, the world. So it's a very interesting conversation that we have about travelling, comedy, and obviously his blindness is a big part in the conversation. And as I said last week, we spoke more specifically about his mockumentary, and this one is more of a retrospective into things he has already released. That's about all I'm going to go into, otherwise I'll be rambling on here at the start. Um, There will be a promo for my friend Frank Burton. He has a new book out, which is also an audiobook called Everything I Am. And I played it last week. The reason I'm playing it again this week is because next week I'm due to release part one of our chat about that very thing. Frank has a podcast called the Ragbag Podcast. He's been on the podcast before as well, but I'll go more into them next week and things. So that's the promo. Straight after that, there'll be mine and Goff's chat. And then I'll be back right at the end of the chat just to give a little bit more information of other things I'm releasing like my Star Wars podcast and a few other bits and pieces here so really hope you guys enjoy the chat thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to all of you at the end hello Frank my dad kidnapped me once a holiday is what this will be you and me son on 12th of October 2004 my dad popped out to buy a bottle of milk and never came back Frank Burton that's my name as well I'm Frank Jr of course, your investigation. I know about your secret flat. I have an irrational fear of traffic wardens. Stop sticking your nose into matters that don't concern you. I was Frank Burton's wife and Frank Burton's mother. That was everything I am. Maybe it's like kosher or halal? Kosher or halal bacon, that's a new one. Everything I am. You and me, son. Everything I Am. Everything I Am is the brand new novel by the author and podcaster Frank Burton, available as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook, which is currently available for Name Your Price. Find all the details at frankburton.co.uk. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. 
I'm kind of saying it's the 10 year anniversary uh, of you releasing your documentary, I Will Not Go Quietly. I mean, I think it was out in December of 2010, which is, it is, we are in the same year. I'm kind of cheating because it's, it's quite, it's closer to nine years than 10 years. But with, with this, uh, this is actually the, I watched it uh, the other night and I hadn't watched it previously. And, you know, speaking of Beer Nuts Productions, obviously go up there, you can download it and sort of name your price. You've put it up there very generously to allow people to see it for free or they can uh, pay for it. So I'd recommend that if people are, say, on the fence maybe, I'd say go check out that the documentary, see how, what you've been through and, and how interesting of a guy you are and then sort of look at the other comedy films. But I hadn't watched this. Uh, obviously, we've chatted before, as we've mentioned, but I hadn't actually watched this this fully uh, until the other day and i thought it was absolutely amazing and i mean if you want to give people some background i mean one of the things that is kind of uh the selling point in a sense is that it, you're the first uh blind individual to i think it was act in write edit produce and direct a feature length film and it's 90 minutes long so it it doesn't if i did when watching it you can't tell it's made by an individual who doesn't know what they're doing obviously i'm not saying you don't but at least it came. It would come as a surprise, to, I think, for certain people that a blind individual actually created it. So, from that, what happened after like releasing that documentary? Obviously, it kind of spring-loaded Beer Nuts Productions and what it is today. So, I don't know if you want to kind of give some sort of uh, a general idea of what it was like making the film and how it's kind of what's happened since, really. Yeah, well, um, the film itself sort of came about due to general frustrations. I mean, there was a couple of times where I thought I was given funding for projects and then they found out I couldn't see, so the funding was pulled and all that sort of stuff. So I, I was, uh, it was just, it wasn't a project that I actively was like, I want to do this because it's not something, I mean, it just wasn't something that was ever on my radar to do. But I was just frustrated with people not understanding me and, and uh, my disability and what I can do and what I can't do. And so uh, I thought, well, the best way to to explain it is to actually show people. So that's why I made the documentary. And yeah, just to be clear, it's probably the only sensible project that is on the Beer Nuts Productions website. It's not uh, It's not one of my comedy. I mean, there are a few little funny bits and pieces in there, but it's not a comedy film. It's an actual proper documentary. And it is about disability and mental health, which are two reasonably important subjects. So yeah, and look, when I was making it, when I was sitting down to think how I wanted to go about making it, I thought the best way to do it Again, it wasn't ideal in regards to it's not what I wanted to do, but I figured it was the best way to do it was to use my own story as a template and then get experts to speak about those subjects. So, you know, I might talk about education and then we've got like a school teacher and, and a guy who's done a PhD in disability education to also just put their points of view. So I talk about my experience and then we have experts giving their viewpoints on on these matters as well. So that's how I thought the best way to go about making the actual documentary would be. Mm, yeah, and so since uh, releasing that, did you? Um, I seem to recall when we were first chatting. Did, after releasing that documentary, was that quite a quite a fairly big hit in in Australia? Was that? Did you go on some chat shows and things like that after it was released? Oh, I wouldn't say it was a fairly big hit. I think that that would be a slight exaggeration. Oh. But um, well, <laughs> that was the other problem. I mean, I, I sent it to networks and whatnot to get it commercially released, and some of the reasons I got were, were quite flabbergasting. I mean, some of the things that were said to me were quite amazing. That. They, they even after watching it, they still didn't understand the point that I was trying to make. 
and it was quite obvious in the things that they were saying that they didn't get it. And so that's why, again, I thought, well, how am I going to get people to... I mean, it did get played in a cinema in Brisbane, which was really cool. And also, obviously, yes, like you said, I got uh, I got some really good press with it as well, which was fantastic and, and got on some shows and whatnot, which was great. But uh, uh, I, I wanted everybody to watch it. And so that's when the idea of having direct downloads through the website came about because I thought, well, how can I get people to watch this film? And the idea came, well, why not if I put it on the Beer Nuts Productions website, which to that point was just more of a run-of-the-mill advertising kind of website for my production company. It wasn't what it is today. You know, I thought to myself, well, if I put it up there, then anybody can watch it. So that's where the idea came of having direct downloads and then, Obviously now, as, as, as you know, there's 18 films up there for people to download, plus the audio pieces and a couple of books. So, you know, that, that's where that idea sort of, sort of came from as well, to have direct downloads on the website was the, the documentary and wanting as many people as possible to watch it. So, yeah. Mm. When watching the documentary, obviously it was, it was you essentially 10 or so years ago. And in it, it was – there's – there are levels of optimism within it, but obviously there are some very, very dark moments uh, within that and things. And did you find that, were you, to, to uh, rip off the band-aid of this, rather me pitter-pattering around it, you speak about your suicide attempts in, in the documentary, and obviously you're very open about it, and it's very respectful thing to do is to open yourself up so uh in such a raw manner. Did you find that after releasing I'll Not Go Quietly, it kind of... uh gave you that passion because you were saying that you know you try to do stand-up comedy and everything started seemed to be going really really well and then there's the issues with the work visa and etc and then that didn't go through and then you had scripts written and stuff and they kept getting all the green lights and then that didn't go through did you find that we will not go quietly was the thing that kind of was a, a turning point in some degree it kind of revitalized uh your passions in a sense well yes and no so i guess eventually it did but not at the start. So it got released, like you said, in December of 2010. And I had a really rough time of it through 2011 because I wasn't able to get it released like I would have liked it to have been released. And it wasn't as well received as what I would have liked it to have been well received. Because as I said earlier, people didn't sort of understand it really. They, they didn't get my point. Uh, so I, I didn't. Uh, and, and then I was like, well, shit, what am I going to do now? And then I sort of came to the realisation, well, I've already put one film up on the website. Why don't I just go ahead and make more films and put them up on the website and everybody else can go get fucked pretty much. So <laughs> that was sort of, I guess that that was kind of the awakening, I guess. So I guess it was kind of like a snowball that just took a while to get pushed down the hill, I suppose, would be the best sort of metaphor to describe it. So, yeah. And how long uh, did it take you to sort of uh, put that together? From you thinking, okay, I should do a documentary day one. How long was it until you actually had the finished product? Uh, about six months. So yeah, it took about six months. So I reckon I started, if I think back, I think it was probably about July of 2010. And then hmm. I got my equipment, which obviously was, uh, I got my equipment together, then organized the interviews with the people that I wanted to interview. And the editing, it was pretty quick because I'd worked in radio. So I just sort of put it together like it was a radio play, essentially. I just edited it by audio because it's a documentary. So you can do that with a documentary. So it's pretty straightforward. And then, yeah, there was, it was sort of straight to uh, sending it out to different uh, 
you know, cinemas and, and networks and production distributors and all that sort of stuff to see what I could get in regards to a release. So yeah, I'd say about six months it was in production itself. Okay, that's really cool. And there's an interesting segment within the uh, within the, the documentary, which I hadn't really thought about that much, obviously, because I don't have a famous parent um, or anything like that. And it was quite interesting where, you know, a lot of people probably off the cuff would go, if you ask, oh, would you have wanted your parent to be uh, famous? They'd probably, a lot of them would go, yeah, that'd be really cool, actually. You know, sounds, maybe they'd have a lot of money or we'd be, you know, uh, re- uh, well-known, all that sort of jazz. But you and also your sister do mention that it's not, it wasn't actually as fun as it may have potentially sounded. And I want to ask it about that a little bit, essentially. If, uh, have you found that, I've got to answer, I already know the answer to the question because I've seen the documentary, but did you find that you were, a lot of people viewing you in your dad's shadow, in a sense? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, I mean, Lisa, my sister, had it as well, like you said, but obviously being the son makes it worse because obviously you've grown up uh, and uh, he probably didn't help the situation in regards to, uh, he kind of exacerbated it in regards to if he was doing a newspaper interview or something of that nature he'd include me as like a mini me type of a situation which I mean I was only a child so I didn't have an understanding I just thought oh this is this is cool this is great you know but obviously Mm -hmm. looking back now it was completely the wrong thing for him to do and if I had have been you know if there would had been a, a good adult in the situation they would have put a stop to that sort of stuff so yeah absolutely it was uh it, it was uh, not probably ideal it would have, and of course then having a disability on top of that makes life even more difficult so you, you've got something else to to try and cope with and deal with as well so yeah it uh, it, it wasn't the uh, easiest of uh, childhoods and upbringings it has to be said no of course i mean the disability alone as you said would be a really heavy thing to deal with and then also as a separate matter having because the your <clears throat> excuse me um, your your dad his sort of stage was ugly i think he mentions within it is um ugly dave gray and obviously having your dad i think you guys mentioned it is in school having your dad as someone who's known as ugly and then you're getting told that you have the resemblance of that that's quite bad and i think you said you you had some footage of you went on like a chat show at one point to talk about um I think some you wanted to talk about some stand-up comedy or some dates or some things that you were kind of doing, and then the interviewer just asked you purely questions about your dad. Yes, yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> it's quite funny actually when you look at that bit of footage. It's probably the most awkward interview you could probably ever watch because I mean I only put a small segment of it on the on the film, but it uh, I mean it screams awkward because. I don't know if people are aware of this, but when you go on a proper chat show like that, they'll pre-organise the questions with you. So the questions mm. that were all, I'd organised with the producer were all about, I was doing stand-up comedy at the time, and they were all about the gigs that I was doing in Melbourne and all that sort of stuff. And and uh, and they, they would, uh, there was a couple of disability questions in there and all that sort of stuff. And then obviously I go on there and none of those questions got asked and it was all about my father and uh, it was uh, yeah it was really awkward uh, viewing I should well it was awkward when I look back at it it looks awkward to me so I could only imagine it would look very awkward to uh, a random person would be like wow that was uncomfortable but uh, yeah <laughs> but yeah no, that, that's just the kind of thing that happened unfortunately 
Yeah, I suppose that's one of the sort of uh, the great things about podcasts these days as well is that, you know, with this, as I'm sure any listeners of mine will be aware, I don't really edit the podcast. So maybe if there's like a, a long pause or if I cough or something like that, then I will edit that out just for listener. Doesn't hear you coughing up a lung. But well, yeah, exactly. No one wants to hear me coughing up on a microphone really loudly right in their ear uh, when they're hoping for like a nice chat with someone. So but I, I've, I've heard from a lot of people that from other podcasts and things that they go, yeah, you go on these chat shows and it's not. But the way they edit it makes it look like a really normal standard conversation. But they say a lot of it is quite weird and um, almost like clunky, where they've they've got these pre-done questions and stuff, but then you know they may change it last minute, and then you've only got a certain amount of time to answer it. And there's just so many people involved in it. Whereas like when I mean you chat, there's not. I write a couple of footnotes, and before pressing the record button, I just say oh, I'm probably going to talk about these couple of things. Is that cool? And that's about it. And the rest of it is just natural conversation. But having all these weird, like obviously they have to have cameras there to be able to film it. But you've got often an audience there, and then loads of people every time the camera stops running in, adding makeup, doing this. It, it must be quite a weird thing to be like. It's almost like a faux conversation, like not a real one almost. Well, I mean, it's good and bad. It's good in the sense of, so, I mean, everybody has watched, uh, whether it be, you know, Stephen Colbert or Conan O'Brien or those sorts of shows, right? Everyone's seen hmm. one of those kinds of shows or Ellen or whatever it might be. And they'll set the person up and they'll say, uh, you know, oh, you know, I believe you were in a taxi cab in New York City last week. And then the guy will tell a funny anecdote about being so... I mean, in regard, that's a good thing in regards to you get a chance to do a funny anecdote and make me, you know, and, or, and then you obviously get a chance to plug your movie or your album or whatever the reason is that you're on there for. So, I mean, that's the good part about it. You know, uh, you get to prepare what you want to say so it can be funny or interesting or whatever you want to say basically what it how you how you want to present yourself you you're given the opportunity to present yourself in whatever light you want to present yourself but the downside is like you say it's not a real conversation like what the podcast interviews are i mean there's very rarely a, a podcast interview that goes for under i mean those ones on the tv they're between four and eight minutes because that's all the time they're allowed so but with podcasts i mean very rarely is a podcast interview any shorter than like 15 or 20 minutes, which means at some stage you're going to have to say something real and unscripted because you can't do a 20-minute scripted interview, you know? So, yeah, so that, that's, uh, I suppose, they're the pluses and the minuses of those sorts of things. Mm, exactly. And one thing that you bring up in your documentary um, is something which is, is quite a common theme I found uh, with a lot of the guests I've spoken to, and it's about travel. And uh, you mentioned that, you know, you travelled around uh, sort of North America and stuff a lot. And then you also travelled around uh, the UK and Europe a bit, as well as obviously around Australia and stuff. And you you say, I think, at some point that you think that every 21-year-old should be made to go uh, travelling. Obviously, I assume you don't mean a dictator regime and kick everyone <laughs> out of the country. But, you know, as in, it's, re it's so helpful to be able to do that. And I wonder if you could just talk about some of your experiences from travelling and what you kind of, what helped you and what you took back from uh, the experiences. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, it makes people grow up, essentially, because you've got no choice but to look after yourself. So, I mean, very basic level, I suppose. You know, you've got to wash your own clothes and make your own bed and make sure you've got money so you can eat and pay your rent and make sure you've got a bed to sleep in and a roof over your head. And you've got nobody who's going to look after you or no one to fall back on if you if you make a mistake. It's all on you. So, 
you, you've got a you've got no choice but to grow up and be a mature adult. But at the same time, you're still young enough where you don't have any fear, so you can do stupid things like go out and get shit faced at night time and to have a great time and party up and have an awesome time but then in the daytime you still need to learn how to be responsible so you kind of get the best of both worlds but see i reckon if i was to do that like if i was to go traveling now it would be far more of a sensible and subdued experience because i mean it's just who you are i mean as young people you don't have the you have no fear i mean you don't care the consequences don't matter as much as what they do when you're in your 30s and 40s you know so that's why that's mm. another good reason why it's good when you're young so you get to make a lot of silly mistakes but you learn from them which is always a good thing and uh, like i say there's uh, you, you can still party and have a great time which i absolutely did there's no question of that i had a i had an amazing time i mean the people i met and the the people I partied with. I mean, there's still some people that I met back then who, uh, you know, I partied with. I, I still stay in contact and talk to like today, which is wonderful. I mean, I've got friends all over the world because of those trips that I did, which is incredible. It's so cool, you know? So th there's so many bonuses to traveling. Plus, I mean, it's an educational thing. I mean, I am a bit of a nerd deep down, so I do like going to seeing, you know, the castles or the museums or whatnot. I like doing that sort of stuff. I find that fun. So during the daytime, you can do a little bit of that. And then at the nighttime, you can go out and party and have a good time as well. And when you're young, you've got the energy to do all that sort of stuff. So, you know, there, there's nothing nothing bad about it at all. There is no downside as far as I can see. And I was doing stand-up comedy as a job. So my job also allowed me to travel around. Uh, so, I mean... With the UK, for example, I was going to tiny little country towns and all sorts of stuff. I mean, places where I would never have gone in a million years if I wasn't being sent there to do a show. And the other good part, obviously, is that my work, obviously, doing stand-up comedy is one hour at night time. So during the daytime, I still get to do touristy stuff and visit things. And then at night time, I do my show and then I can party with people from the audience afterwards. So... It really, uh, it was it was very lucky in that regard that uh, I, I was able to do a, a job like stand-up comedy that allowed me to travel and to travel to such rare... I mean, I, I did, when I was in Canada, I hooked up with an agent who sent me on uh, a tour of all the oil rig towns of Alberta and BC and up on the Yukon and through Saskatchewan. So, I mean, these are places where nobody goes. It's just oil rig towns. But, I mean... It was still interesting to go there. It was still fun and still met some amazing people doing it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's just little things like that. Like, I went to places that aren't even on a fucking map. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> it's super cool, you know? I, I, I like that I did that. I think it's a, a wonderful thing. And so, yeah, I absolutely would encourage any of your listeners out there who are tossing up whether or not to throw a backpack on their back and go, go camping through uh, South America or whatever it might be, just uh, get amongst it and do it. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta do these things because I mean, you'll learn so much about yourself, about life, about other people. I mean, it's just a wonderful experience. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where it is the, as you mentioned, it's one of the best ways to sort of organically grow as a person. As you clearly point out, you've got so many different factors that come into it. You have to manage your money and take care of yourself. And, and if you don't, no one's there to hold your hand and do it. You do have to, um, you know, be smart, think about things, go around cities and find your own way. You do meet loads of new people and you get to experience new cultures. And it's all of this is so paramount, I find, to people... Um, of to people to grow and i think that like, my girlfriend megan she's she and i've both done a fair amount of traveling she's done generally more than i have but she speaks french spanish and italian so when she travels on europe she can speak to so many people obviously as well as she speaks english and so she's done like a whole month with her friend where they just went interrailing so they just go they just travel around europe on train and they go to loads of different places and they megan has said like a lot of the time the stop off towns are where you're just like, oh we'll just stop here just overnight to get to the next place you want to go a lot of time when you stop in these little towns that you would never otherwise uh, go to you have some of the best nights and you meet some of the coolest people and megan's got i think there's five or six people uh, and i've met two or three of them um who she's met abroad things and now some of our closest friends she's actually got a friend of hers called emily who lives in australia i can't remember where in australia she's told me many times <laughs> but she i've met her before she came over to the uk and she's got um some friends of hers that live in America and we're meeting them in a couple of weeks time. We're going up to Scotland. So meeting all these people, I think is, is definitely a really important thing uh, for anyone. It's always great to meet new people, but it's, as you say, is I think it's undervalued traveling. And I think that obviously you being in Australia, I imagine, and a lot of the, my listeners as well who are in America, it can be more difficult to some degree in England in England I don't think there's much of an excuse because you can get the ferry or even the train or a plane over to France for under a hundred pounds um so and once you're over there it's not that expensive so if when you want to travel around Europe Europe's all right next to each other but obviously Australia is so far away from a lot of the other things and America is absolutely huge I know America uh, sort of North America is similar size to Australia but with the whole of America, you've got, you know, North America and you including Canada and stuff. And then you've also got sort of Central America and then the more Southern uh, Latin countries. You, you've got space to travel, but I feel like going across the world and going to really, really different countries is, it's so important. And I think you said that, was it uh, Canada or America? Was that one of your favorite places that you found on your travels? Yeah, well, I had, I had a great time in America. I think Americans get a really... Uh, bum rap you know i think uh, one or two bad apples spoil it for everybody else because when i was mm. in america i found the people to be so generous and so giving and so warm and so hosp hospitable you know they were just fantastic i mean there, there were many different stories i could have told in the documentary and, and to, uh, to you now i mean there are so many stories of just uh, me ending up in a place and uh, finding some random people and then staying at their house. I mean, you know, who does that? But they, they're just uh, just really nice, genuine, kind human beings and they love a laugh and they love a good time and they're, they're friendly and they eat really cool food because it's unhealthy and that's great. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, uh, it's amazing. I, I found America to be a wonderful place and I think that, like I said, I think that uh, the America as a country often gets uh, bad publicity unfairly just because of a couple of uh, idiot people, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, look, I enjoyed everywhere I went. Honestly, there was maybe – I think there was, there was one time I can specifically think of where I didn't feel safe, and that was when I was in the UK, 
I got booked to do this show that was about oh, maybe 15, 20 minutes out of Manchester up north hmm. and it was in a really, really rough part of town. And I remember walking back to the train station after the gig on Saturday night and I could just feel eyes on me and mm. I couldn't see anybody. And I don't think it's because of my disability I couldn't see them. I think they were just well <laughs> hidden, you know. But I just thought to myself, I need to get to this train station. I need to get there right now because I don't feel safe at all. Uh, I need to get out of here because this could kick off, you know. I wasn't... I just didn't feel comfortable at all. And that's one time I felt like that in three years of traveling because it was 2003, 2004 and 2005 was when I was traveling. And I'm meaning like I've been, I've been drunk as a skunk in the middle of New York City, in the middle of London at 3, 4, 5 in the morning. I've, been, I've put myself in some pretty precarious situations. I mean, in Europe and whatnot, you know, just partying and whatnot and having a good time. So, I mean, but at no stage have I ever felt uh, just that one single time was where I felt a little bit unsafe and I needed to extricate myself from that situation. At no other time did I feel unsafe or uncomfortable. And I think, again, that goes on to a point we made previous, which was if you just use a bit of common sense, then everything will be okay. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I'd like to think I have a reasonable amount of common sense. And so, as much as, like I say, I put myself in some probably silly situations, uh, there was never a time where the situation was of a dangerous or of a nature that could have been considered to be unsafe. It was just silly as in, you know, I've drunk too much at a pub and it's now four in the morning and I've got to find out how I'm going to get back to my backpacker hostel or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, But at no stage no, did I do anything like outrageously dumb because uh, I would like to think I have a reasonable amount of common sense, which kind of kicks in. If a situation starts looking a bit 50-50, uh, I've got enough common sense to get myself out of that. And I think also that goes to a lot of, uh, in the documentary, which we were chatting about earlier, We in the doco, I talk about some of the training that Guide Dogs Australia did with me and also mm. one or two of the school teachers that I had in my younger years at school. And I think a lot of the life lessons that they taught me as a youngster helped me a lot with my traveling as well. Yeah. And it's one of those things as well, where anyone listening who sort of hasn't gone traveling, it's like if, if an Australian blind gentleman can go traveling in Europe and America, then there's really no excuse for you to be able to do it. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things where if, if, especially when you're by yourself as well, and you were, um, you know, a bit younger at the, at the time, sort of more close to my age. And it's, I, I can't remember who said it, but it was, it was almost like, I think someone said it was like traveling is almost like exercise for the soul or something like that. Some cheesy line. And it's like, well, it's true. Yeah. Well, it, and I have to agree with it. I mean, it really is. So when I was in Canada, one of the guys who I'm actually good friends with, actually, I'll, I'll send you his details because see if he's interested in coming on mm. your podcast because he would definitely be a very interesting guest. Uh, I met him at a Backpackers in Vancouver. Uh, him himself, he's from, I believe he's from Toronto. Yeah, he's from Toronto. And so he was, uh, and he, he loved traveling. He was an accountant and quit his job and just uh, started traveling. And so he was contemplating whether or not he should travel through South America and write a book because he loved writing. And I said, 
well, of course you should travel through South America and write a book. That sounds like a very good thing to do. Do it and do it now. And sure enough, he did. And he wrote a book and he sent me a copy of the book, which was really lovely. And it's a, it's a cool thing. And he's got now a, a YouTube channel called Borders, Borders on mm. Budgets. And uh, he's very nerdy, but he's like the nicest guy ever. He, he's like, uh, yeah, he's just a super dude. And I find him quite funny. I think he's one of those guys who doesn't realize mm, that he's funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, we've all got friends like that, you know, he, he just comes out with stuff that really tickles me. And I don't think he, he doesn't mean to be funny. He just is, but uh, he's a super guy and he's very interesting. And yeah, he's traveled the world two or three times over now. And, uh, and like I say, he's got a YouTube channel going and everything now. And uh, his, his, he's turned his passion of traveling into a, into a job, which is just super cool. I think that's just amazing. So I got nothing but respect for him. I think he's awesome, is Matt. So yeah, a very interesting guy. And so I mean, he's it's called Borders on Budgets because he's got no money, but uh, he still figures out a way to uh, to go all over the world. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean that's something that I'd definitely be interested in uh, in uh, having him on the show. If you uh, get in contact, that'd be really cool. Because yeah, I have in fact the second episode of Genuine Chit Chat I ever did. Um, was a, with a friend of mine called TJ and she had recently got back from traveling and things. And that's all we spoke about for about two hours where she traveled around Asia and all those other things and spoke about her experiences. And I've had other people on as well who have generally uh, spoken about their traveling experience and stuff. And I think it's, it's something where it seems very daunting and it seems like it'd be really, really expensive. And obviously it can be very expensive, but if you're smart and you as you say, use common sense and you know, you look into things a little bit more, then you can do it on a budget. So speaking with this guy, that sounds absolutely awesome and I'd absolutely love to. So yeah, hit him up whenever you can and I'm sure we'll get something sorted and I'll, I'll be sure to play a little uh, Beer Nuts production promo as well in the episode as well. So <laughs> added promo for you guys. Um, I think we're coming towards the end now and you've been very generous with your time. And I think in Australia, is it like 11 p.m. right now? No, 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 because of uh, daylight saving. So that's why I always have to... Uh, when I'm doing a podcast interview with the States or with the UK, uh, because of daylight savings, whether it be on my end or on their end, I always have to triple check with Surrey because in my brain, I sort of know roughly what the times are going to be. But mm. uh, I always just check with Surrey to make sure that uh, I got the times right. So no, because of daylight saving, it's uh, just after 9pm. So I'm all uh. cool. So yeah, it's uh, that's uh, yeah all good here. <laughs> not quite as late out for you as anticipated. Well, that's really cool. But um, I want to um, I want to ask as well. I think I might have touched upon this when we first spoken. But do you have any interest or any thoughts of making another documentary in the future or anything like that, or is that just kind of not for now, but not necessarily closing the door? Well, there's been a few people actually because, as you mentioned earlier, the last one was done ten years ago. I've had a few people say to me that they'd like a a follow up, as in what's happened in the last ten years. So, you know, uh, I will not go quietly too, and then just uh, the last 10 years since the last documentary, which isn't a bad idea. I mean, uh, would you be keen to see something like that? I was thinking when I was watching it, I would have loved to have seen, yeah, from... Because it ends on, I'd say it doesn't end on a high note, to be blunt. It's it's a really great documentary, but it is it is one of those things where you're just open and honest with it. And it, it would, I think, be quite nice to see that how you've gone on because it's almost like in a film where the character says well, their last line is something like it, it kind of throws a, uh, the thing on its head a little bit and you're like, oh 
do I know what's going to happen with this character? And it was almost like that with the end of your documentary. And obviously, I know because I'm, I was planning on talking to you, so I know that you're fine and things. But I think if you did say that and you, you did sort of do a follow-up, I think it would be really, really good. Um, I'd love to watch it. And obviously, you could come on the show and promote it again. Uh, but I think it would also, in, in almost a... Uh, in a business sense, I think if you did that and you could do it on like a very, very low budget again, it could probably help Beer Nuts quite a lot once again. So I think in that regard, I would definitely love to see it. And I would, I think it would be cool for you guys to, or you, to make another one. But I think it would have to be, it'd have to be done right in a sense. Like the other, all the, the other things you've released have been great. And I, so I don't really, uh, I don't worry about your ability to do so. But doing a follow up to a documentary that is personal, I think you would have to be, quite not quite careful but it would be it'd be quite easy to make you know an hour and a half thing where you just vaguely talk about your life and what's happened without any real punch or meaning but i think if you sat down and did it properly which i assure you would it it would be something i think would be really 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 cool to see and i think it would be really helpful for those who are suffering with mental illness and things if they saw what it was like sort of 10 years ago essentially and then saw what you're like now uh, and what sort of change and what helped you in some of the journeys and things that you've done I, I think that that would be really really ha- helpful for people so yeah I, I personally would definitely be interested in that all right well uh, yeah no I've had a few people with a similar viewpoint to yourself and it is something that is in the back of my mind because of it being 10 years old uh, maybe towards the end of the year I might uh, I might sort of think a bit more carefully about uh, about doing a follow-up. But, uh, yeah, because it is something I kind of agree. It is something that I would like to do. It's just a matter of kind of like you touched on then, I am very uh, – how can I word it? Uh, I, I need to be very careful, just like you said. I, I need to be very careful that I can still maintain an entertaining 90 minutes. So mm. that, that, that therein lies the challenge. See – with the last film, how old was I? So I was 29. So I had 29 years of experience. So whereas this time I've only got a third of that, I've only got 10 years of experience. So and uh, so so it, it uh, you got to stretch 10 years out into uh, 90 minutes instead of 29 years into 90 minutes. You know, but mm. I mean I'm quite certain it can be done. It just needs to be done, as you said, it needs to be done with a lot of thought and made sure that uh, I get a different group of experts in talking about uh, a range of subjects again that, that are appropriate and uh, and putting it together and making it all uh, all work. So, yeah, it's one of those things where it might be a bit tricky, but it could also be a very interesting and a good challenge and it might make my brain work a little bit harder than uh, – than it has done for a while so that's not always a bad thing either so yeah <laughs> yeah and also if you if you did it another option could be uh things like you know this makes it sound like i'm trying to plug myself i'm really not but like obviously a lot of the people you've met from doing beer nuts you know but the various i know you've met loads and loads of different podcasters and things and obviously a lot of the actors that have been uh recurring in some of your films and obviously um simon as well being a producer and all these sort of other things there'd be quite a few other people that would be quite interesting to to talk to and if you had some of the people who were in the first documentary as well they could be like oh yeah uh, since um, goff made the documentary yeah he had afterwards he was still a bit down and you could go into how it was hard to get released and put out in places but then silver lining is that at at seemingly a present things have all kind of worked out but yeah i mean i'd be 100 percent game for you uh making that and if you ever did want to make it again and you don't any assistance of any kind or even just 
say, hey, would this be good in the documentary? Send me an email or whatever, or even we could chat on Skype or this or whatever, and I'd be happy to spit all uh, ideas or listen to your ideas if you um, sort of went down that road. But I think it's definitely worth considering. So, yeah. No, no, well, I, I am. I, it is something that's been in the back of my mind for about a year or so because there's been a few people that have suggested that it would be a a, a good idea to do a follow up. So I suppose uh, I suppose for folks out there listening, uh, the best thing to do is to uh, stay tuned to all the uh, Beer Nut social media channels to see what uh, what I'm getting up to because that is obviously the best way to stay up to date. Obviously, so yeah, but. Uh, you, you'll be able to to tell if I uh, I go down that route if uh, I do, but uh, yeah, it is something that I, I am seriously considering doing. It's just a matter of figuring out the best way to go about it, and it's kind of like you said earlier, which is a, a very true thing. Which is you can overthink something, and you need to sometimes you do need to walk away for you know whether it be a month, a day, a year, and leave it alone, and then when you come back to it all of a sudden the light bulb goes on above your head because you've had time to rest your brain about it. So it might be one of those things too where I might just need to uh, uh, have a bit of a think about it and then put it to one side for five minutes and then come back and see if uh, if, if the light bulb goes off and there's a, a couple of little ideas that I could, uh, I could make it work with. So, yeah, no, but it is mm. something that's definitely uh, in my thought process for sure. 100% and uh, well, that pretty much brings us to the uh, this sort of end of our uh, chat and it's been delightful again and a good thing is is that what you can do is say go to Binuts Productions and download the uh, the, the doco I love it when I hear you say doco I, it, people don't say doco in England I don't think I've ever heard people say it in, uh, in America so I love certain little uh, Australian uh, sort of uh, linguistic mannerisms and um, yeah, we're, 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 very, we're very lazy we like to shorten everything if, if, uh, if you were to uh, I mean Mike is already shortened from Michael, but I'm sure we could find some other way to. Sh- we'll just call you M or something like that. I mean, <laughs> it's just uh, in Australia, that's just what we do. We, we're lazy. Like afternoon is Arvo. I mean, we're we're a lazy, <laughs> a lazy group of people that just shorten everything down. That's incredible. And if people want to uh, check out uh, the doco, uh, what they should do is because they can. I said thing earlier on, they can basically download it and they can choose to donate or anything like that if people are listening what you should all do is go watch the documentary then if you think it's amazing donate to beer nuts production and then that will help goff see that he needs to make another one and then everyone wins <laughs> absolutely I'm, i mean i mean there are donation buttons on the the website and uh, obviously just so people do know any money that is donated it goes straight into the production account to make the next film so it all helps with uh, with making more production. So it's one of those situations where everybody wins because I get to make more films and employ more local actors and crew members and things like that. And obviously I produce more work, which hopefully will entertain more people. And so it's uh, one of those things where, you know, it's the circle of life, Akuna Matata, you know, it's one of those, <laughs> one of those good things. So uh, yeah, no, if people can obviously spare a dollar or two, then uh, yeah, there are some donation buttons, but of course there's also uh, all the projects that they can download as well. So they can uh, get something for their money as well by uh, downloading the films and uh, getting a laugh and having some entertainment. Perfect. Well, Goff, you've been very generous with your time and it is always an absolute pleasure to chat with you. And yeah, when, as always, when you release the, your next film and things and if you do end up uh, going forward with the, the documentary and stuff, hit me up. We'll have another chat about it and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will love it as they always do. So 
thank you so much i'll make sure i include links to everything uh binuts productions and the social media and all that sort of jazz in the show notes uh and this is not a nice long chat so i'll be splitting it in two so you have two weeks of promo from me so um that will be great uh is there anything you just want to add just before we close out oh no just just the usual just yeah beernutsproductions.com that's uh that's the besides the genuine chit chat website of course that's the uh, that's the only other website people need to know is the uh, beernutsproductions.com just uh, go there and download and hopefully i can uh, give you some entertainment cuz that's what it's all about so yeah absolutely perfect wonderful well thank you so much once again goff no thank you mike i really do appreciate your time and that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. As I have said, Goff appeared in numerous episodes of Genuine Chit Chat in the past. Obviously, he appeared in the one last week, which I imagine you guys know about by now. And also, he did appear in episode 48 and episode 65 of Genuine Chit Chat. I would probably recommend going and listening to episode 48 because that's the first time me and Goff actually were chatting on air. So, it's good. It's a fun chat. And obviously, check out Beer Nuts Productions as well because obviously, I see all the films that I speak about with him uh, when I have these podcasts with him and some of them are absolutely amazing so really recommend you guys check them out and give Goff all the love in the world not to mention that obviously the I Will Not Go Quietly documentary is completely free on Beernuts Productions and you can donate to that so I would recommend people check that out because it's a really really interesting documentary Anyway, coming up, um, as I said in the intro, next week should be part one of my chat with Frank Burton. That's going to be another two-parter. He has another book out called Everything I Am. Um, He has appeared in previous episodes of Genuine Chit Chat including episode 34, which is more specifically about his podcast Ragbag and epilepsy itself, because Frank Burton does have epilepsy. And the second episode was about his book of short stories called The 100. It's an anthology book of loads of little short stories that eventually sort of intertwine in things. And the thing I love the most about that book is that the world it's in is really, really cool. There's a lot of cool and interesting ideas within those stories. And also, as well as Everything I Am and The 100, the audio versions of them are found on Bandcamp as a name your price. So I really recommend you paying a bit of money to it because you put so much work and effort into them if you do go check those out. But as I say, The 100 and Everything I Am are amazing. And for clarity, when we speak about The 100 book, it is an episode 56 of Genuine Chit Chat. That is a two-parter as well. And after that, I haven't actually got any episodes recorded. I think myself and Megan are going to do a podcast soon because, uh, well, obviously we're in isolation, so that's fun. Talking about what we've been up to, uh, sort of what couples can, I guess, do in isolation and things. Uh, And also Animal Crossing because Megan's only just discovered it. I played it many years ago and I kind of showed her New Horizons. We bought it on the Switch and she's addicted to it, so she wants to talk about that. Uh, So we're going to talk about that, have our usual sort of fun there. Um, I believe I'm going to have Tony Farina on the podcast again and I may be having I may speak to Janine Mercer about having her on the podcast again. I'm trying to kind of get more returning guests because the way it is at the moment, there's the podcast numbers aren't as much, which isn't really a big deal to me. But I imagine that majority of people listening to these podcasts are ones who are already subscribed. There's not going to be that many new people. So as well as trying to get guests during this whole COVID thing and trying to get new people on the show and all that sort of other jazz, it's just easier and more enjoyable for myself if I try and speak to more returning guests and things like that. So that's kind of what I'm going to aim to do a little bit, um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how things sort of turn out. And if any of you guys are Star Wars fans and haven't paid attention to the very last outros of the last few episodes, which I think I've spoken about it, um, I have a show called Star Wars Comics in Canon, where every Saturday an episode comes out and they're all less than half an hour at present, where I basically speak about Star Wars comics, uh, specifically ones that are canon. Um, I've had 
three episodes out now. Um, well, technically it's four, but I called episode the first episode episode zero because I just want to kind of explain to people what I was going to be doing on the show, uh, as well as what canon and legends actually means, the timeline that we use to kind of uh, measure things in Star Wars, which is before or after the Battle of Yavin. Those sort of things were in episode zero, as I called it. Then episode one was about the rise of Kylo Ren, how he got his lightsaber color, how he got into the Knights of Ren, what happened directly after him and Luke had the confrontation in Last Jedi. Um, there's another one which was episode two I did about Darth Maul because a lot of people don't know that Darth Maul had a huge amount of content done about him um, beyond the Phantom Menace he's actually a very interesting and complex character so I speak about some of the comics he's been in there and then the episode that would have released uh, yesterday is how C-3PO got his red arm that episode is only about 15 minutes long it's not even that actually I think it's like 14 minutes long and I just explain it's in a one it's a one shot comic called C-3PO Phantom Limb it just explains how he got his red arm that you see in The Force Awakens because there's the only content that actually tells you how he got that is the Lego Styles video game, as in Lego Styles The Force Awakens, and if you get the Phantom Limb DLC, or this one comic, which is kind of hard to find in a sense. So if you're interested in Star Wars, you like comics, or if you're more better, more so is if you are interested in Star Wars and aren't really fussed on the comics but want to hear more information, some of the key points that come from the comics, make sure you check out Star Wars Comics in Canon. For full clarity, that is found on the Comics in Motion podcast feed. They are friends of the show. I've been on their show before. They've been on mine. But yeah, Star Wars Comics in Canon on the feed of Comics in Motion. You should be able to find it basically anywhere that you listen to this show except on YouTube. So it'll be on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Acast, all that sort of jazz. Anyway, that's enough waffle and self-promotion on my own show for me. Um, so I just want to say I appreciate each and every one of you guys sort of listening to this. I hope it's getting any of you through what are obviously weird and uneasy times. My podcasts aren't necessarily going to be central around the coronavirus and things, but obviously it's going to be brought up in subjects that I speak about. Uh, if you want to hear more from me as well, I was on a recent episode of the Ask Win podcast, and I was also in a recent episode of Friends in Your Ears. So if you can't get enough of my voice, you listen to the Star Wars podcast and you listen to Genuine Chit Chat, then go check out Ask Win and go check out Friends in Your Ears. Uh, Friends in Your Ears is a great podcast as well, because I was on with someone else called Amanda, um, as well as the host Kathleen, and they essentially, we all just talk about podcasts that we like uh, you know what got us into podcasting some of our favorite ones that sort of jazz so a lot to listen to anyway guys i hope you are all staying safe in this crazy coronavirus stuff that's all going on i hope a lot of your jobs are okay i hope your families are okay i'm sending my love to all of you um if any of you want to chat or anything like that you can either email me at genuine chit chat at outlook.com you can find me on all the social media channels instagram twitter and facebook at genuine chit chat uh, message me on any of those things you can ask me questions about episodes star wars anything in particular that you really want to talk about it doesn't have to be anything specific it can be just random chit chat <laughs> the name of the show funny um but yeah I, I just want everyone to be safe and be careful and know that this is a quite a shit situation for a lot of us but if we are all careful over the coming months we should all be able to get out of it I say all, obviously a lot of us should be able to get out of it. The vulnerable people here are the ones that are the most vulnerable, really. You know, they're the ones that are going to suffer the most from it. Most healthy, in air quotes, people aren't going to be suffering in the same way. So it's just something to keep in mind. I'm not going to get really preachy about it because I don't know enough about the subject to really become preachy about it. Uh, just stay home, stay safe, and, you know, give people a call. 
give friends and family members calls and video calls and stuff we need to try and keep interconnected and we're very blessed that even though what's happened is awful at least we all have the internet and stuff so we can still communicate in things and you guys can listen to my lovely voice because what is better than being in isolation and being able to hear me talk all the time literally anything is probably what megan would say <laughs> but anyway guys as i say really appreciate all of you listening i really hope you all stay safe and i'll talk to you next week